Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. Hey, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. So turn your Bible, open that app, whatever that is, okay? Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to turn to your neighbor, though, first and say, inside out. Inside out, okay? So to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and as you do that, I'm going to pray, and we're going we're gonna to jump in. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, as, as Pastor Matt said earlier, God, this year has been brutal, but it's also been beautiful. Lord, it's been difficult, God, but Lord, we can still see your faithfulness and your goodness. So I pray, Lord, that as we go in this message, Lord, that God, people, n- nobody would hear me, God, but Lord, they would hear your personal voice speaking to them through your word and through your spirit, God. So Lord, we're expecting, God, a transformation. God, we're expecting, God, that you're going to move and God, we're ready. God, our hearts say yes to you this morning. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, guys, so yeah, today we're going to be jumping into a message called Inside Out. Now, I've told this story before, but I think it's worth saying again. I think it fits okay. This was a long time ago. I was about 19, 20 years old. Um, it was right before Christmas, and we have family in Southern California. And so if you have family in Southern California, you know that long Highway 5 drive, okay? Um, speaking of beautiful and brutal, you know, it's mainly brutal. It's nothing really beautiful on that road. But... um. You know, when, when, you're, when you're 19 or 20, you kind of just think, man, things just are going to work out. Things are just going to, like, they're going to figure themselves out. And I remember, I, I was telling myself for the longest time, man, you should check your car. You should do some maintenance, right? You should get an oil change. But I just said, hey, I'm going to do this after the trip. No big deal. We got this. You can see where I'm going already right now. You can start the sympathy, okay? And so I'm driving down, right? I'm only about two hours in, and my car's making a funky noise, right? So I pull, you know, I, I, I pull the car over like any person would be, and being the non-mechanically um, inclined guy that I am, I look to the hood, under the hood, and I'm like, we're good, right? We're good. Had no idea what I'm looking for at all. And so I'm like, okay, hey, I'm only, I'm only three hours away. We got this. We're good. So I get in the car. Just an hour later, we're three hours in on the five, right? Car, uh, smoke isn't coming out of the car, but smoke is coming inside of the car. Now, I, I, I like action movies, but I'm like, this feels familiar to me, right? I've seen movies like this. Smoke, car, explosion. This isn't going to go well. Long story short, I didn't go to L.A. I didn't get to L.A. Got a hotel. Uh, went back uh, to Northern California. I didn't make it. Now, how many of you know I wish I would have looked at the dashboard? <laughs> I wish I would have followed the dashboard. I wish I would have actually looked at the warning signs. Now, maybe that hasn't happened to you. But how many of you guys know that we all have a life's dashboard? That there are warning signs that God actually has a plan for our life. And we say this a lot, that God has your best life in mind in Him. And it's just so easy to ignore those signs, kind of do our own thing. And I think if one thing that we've seen in 2020 is the things that we truly value and the things that we thought we value, but we really don't. It's just been, it's just been a one big wake-up call. And, but, but I also see, too, that there's been some things, man, we probably didn't know that we were as strong in, but we actually are. I personally love seeing not just this church, but the church, the resiliency of God's church. 
We're still meeting. We're still gathering in person, online. God is moving despite what's happening around us. And so, but we've we, we got to be careful, though, is that there's a dashboard. It's one thing to have a dashboard, but it's another thing to have the right dashboard, too. To have the right indicators, the right lights. And so if, if one thing 2020 has taught me, it's this. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Is that we tend to overvalue the uh, exterior things, uh, the, the things on the outside. But we tend to undervalue the internal things. It, I don't know about you, but man, when I get stressed, when I feel a little bit of anxiety, it's really easy to try to control the things that I can't control. <laughs> Anybody feel me on that? The, the, the thing, and, and the things that like you can't control, ah, I'm good. <laughs> They're fine. It's just so easy to just think about the things that are on the outside, put our attention, our value on that, but we negate the internal things. The things that are, honestly that will make the most difference, but more importantly, the things that matters to God the most. You know, the Lord said to David that, um, you know, People look at the external appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that's not just some cute slogan for a cup that you give somebody on Christmas. If you've got something, that, that's a great gift. So I'm not saying no to that. But it's more than just a cute cup. That is a reality that God wants us to walk in. External appearance is great, but, but more importantly, it's about the inside, the heart. What does God want to do inside of us? And it's hard to do that, though, because sometimes it's like, man, I looked under the hood, but I didn't know what I was looking for. So I think a lot of times we want to get in there, we want to get deep, but it's like we don't know what we're looking for. Or two, man, we just don't want to look at things that we just don't want to look at. It's just bad at times. And so, but it, it takes work. You know, God wants to do an inside-out transformation inside of us. And walking with Jesus is not just a, an event, not just a service, but it's a daily, everyday, intimate relationship that God wants to do inside of us. And I felt this psalm uh, encaptured this so well. Where the psalmist said this, Why let the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. But their idols are merely things of silver and gold, shaped by human hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear. They have noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel. And they have feet and they cannot walk. They have throats but they cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them, as all who are who put their trust in them. The psalmist is saying something very, very significant about the interior life. And it's this, is that what we focus on, we will eventually worship. Meaning that... What do you mean worship? Well, I don't, I don't worship anything. That's not true. If you put your faith, your value, your belief, if you put your life into something, you are worshiping that. And this is how you know what you're worshiping. If it's taken away today, you're devastated. And so for us, we got to be so careful of what we focus on because we will eventually worship it. And if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is that after you worship something or it, Whatever you worship, you will eventually become. So what you focus on, you worship. What you worship, you become. And again, 2020 was a great revealer for all of us, including myself, what we value and what we truly don't value. For some of us, we overly focused on success. Now, 
God wants us to be successful. In the Bible, it's called fruitfulness. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be faithful. But if we overly focus on success, we will worship it. But then we will also become our successes, meaning that when we are successful in whatever endeavor that it is, we will think way too highly of ourselves and we'll forget about who Jesus is. But on the flip, that if we're failing, if this thing that defines us, if we don't do good at it, man, we're devastated. We, we don't just fail, we are a failure in our eyes. That's what happens when we focus on wrong things, we worship the wrong things, and even good things. If we put them in God's space, that's not a good place to be in. Some of us, we've overly focused on relationships. Where, man, if I just got with this person or if this relationship just works out, we worship that relationship. So when it goes well, man, we're great. It's so great that it's like, man, if I have God, cool. If I don't, it's okay. But then when it's not working out, we're devastated. I think in all of our lives and our space, if we're not careful, what we focus on, we worship, and we worship, um, we eventually become. Now, you know, prior to Lauren and I coming to Fountain, we were serving at um, a different church, and we were in youth ministry. We were young adults ministry. We had two two dear friends who served with us. Um, man, th- something came up in their lives morally where man they they had a misstep, and so we were so glad that we were to come alongside of them and to just help that path of restoration. But I remember that our 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 senior leader uh, they, they came in and and we were talking about. What does restoration look like? And this illustration always stuck with me. Where Think about if there was a table right here. There's a tablecloth. There's many uh, plates and forks and knives and napkins. I mean, the table is set. Sometimes we think that if, if change needs to happen in our lives, hey, let's just take a fork here. Let's just put it over here. Maybe we take the plate. We kind of maneuver it this way so it, just, it looks a little bit better. But, but then there are some times where we don't need a little tweak. We need to change everything. It's just not working. You guys take off the plates, the napkins, the forks, the spoons, everything. Why? Because you got to take off the cloth. You got to take the tablecloth off. And it's hard because there's a lot more work, there's effort. But sometimes, man, we don't want to take off that tablecloth because it's vulnerable. It's scary, man. It's been this way for so long. I don't know what's, what's going to be once I, I'm exposed in that way. Do you know that God does his best work when we are laid bare before him? I mean, the book of 1 John says it so well that God is light. And those who walk in his light, there is freedom. But we're liars if we say there's no darkness inside of us. And we conceal it. We do our own thing. There is freedom in God's light. But we've got we've to be able to just allow the Lord to remove those things off of our table. Things that shouldn't be there. Maybe things that can be there, but it's not the right season. The, the will of God isn't just a what, but sometimes it's also a when as well. And so we have to discern those things. And so I don't need to convince any of us. Well, maybe I don't, but I think for most of us, I don't have to convince any of us that change is a good thing for you in 2021. Now, if you're like, no, it's not, well, that's a separate uh, prayer and coaching call, okay? So let, let, let's connect afterwards, okay? But I think most of us would say, hey, 2021, change. Let's do this, right? 
And a lot of times, honestly, like, you know, when I'm coming to a new year, man, I want to set new goals. I want to relook at my, our values in our home and just like, how are we moving forward? But this year feels a little bit different, doesn't it? It feels a little heavier. It's like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what to expect. Like, what, what, are, what, are we, what are we walking into? And I want to encourage you where I know for a lot of us, we want to change, but sometimes we just don't know how. Or we know how, but we're just, we just don't know if we want to put in the work. And so I want to encourage you with this. And this is what the Lord challenged me with this, is that, you know, real change, it's not about the, the power of your will, but it's about the depth of your surrender. I think a lot of times why our frustration, um, there, there, there's some things that we couldn't control. So I'm not trying to make a, a blanket statement, but there were some things probably in 2020, I can look back at my life, but also in your life, we were so frustrated because we were just trying to rearrange the table. Put something here, put something here. Oh, it's not working. Let, let me just do this. God's like, no, no, no. It's not about the power of your will. It's about the depth of your surrender. The depth of your surrender shows your trust in God. Your, 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 your value in, 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 in God's character. And so don't get it, like, twisted. It's like your will does need to decide to follow Jesus and to be led by his spirit. But your will isn't the, it, it's not the game changer. It's his spirit that, that, that's the game changer. It's his word that's the game changer. And the more that I can put myself underneath and, and, and under his authority, I'm in a good place. And so we're going to be talking about today, um, Inside Out, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1. And it's such a rich passage. We could be talking about this for a long time. I got 30 minutes, okay? And so we're going to hit three things, okay? Intimacy, hope, and power, okay? So uh, chapter 1, verse 15 says this, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus... In your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So Paul has this prayer where he's praying for the church. Is that I want you to experience these things. And the first thing is spiritual wisdom. Now, it, these words are worth kind of tapping into, is that this isn't wisdom as in wisdom from this world or something that you would hear from like maybe, you know, a friend. This wisdom is a wisdom that actually impacts your everyday life. It's a wisdom that you get from God where it's, okay, I know not just how to act like an hour on a Sunday morning, but I know how to live out my faith in real time with my family, with my coworkers. That I see all parts of my life with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus, and trusting in Jesus. But then also there's insight. In some translations, I say call this word revelation. And that just simply means that things that have been um, disclosed, or sorry, uh, the things that have been hidden are now unhidden. Things that are like, man, I haven't seen before. Whoa, I see it now. My goodness. Like, Lord, I did not see that ever before. It's like, you know, you hear that verse so many times. But it's like, Lord, that's what it means. And it's not this intellectual thing. Even though God uses our minds, he doesn't just go to like our heart. It, 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 it's the whole thing. But it's this moment where it's like, that's what it is. 
And so there, he wants to give us spiritual wisdom and insight. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I know I'm talking to believers right now, but if this is worth saying is Paul is assuming that your walk with God will not stay the same. He's assuming that as we get wisdom, as we get insight, as we're moving closer to God, that we can never exhaust get, becoming intimate with God. You never get to a place where it's like, all right, God, I'm good. This is great. I've known you for 20 years and I haven't grown at all, but I love you. Man, that would not work in a marriage at all. And it definitely does not work with Jesus. With Jesus, there's this beautiful reality of the gospel that in Christ, I have all, I have all of him. So I'm so content in him. But there's also this holy, this holy discontentment where it's like, God, I have all of you, but I still want to pursue you. Like, God, I know that I have every blessing in Christ, but I still want to pursue you with all of my heart. There's just something in me where it's like, man, this, call it what is it, if, if, if it's an itch or if it, whatever it is, but it's like, God, I need to be in your presence. And so what Paul's saying is, I want you to have more wisdom that affects your everyday life. I want you to keep getting revelation. Why? So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Your knowledge of God. And that word knowledge, it's a, it's a personal knowledge. It's, a, it's an intimate knowledge. You, you know my, my, my beautiful wife. Her name is Lauren. She has blonde hair. She's, she's pregnant. Guys, she's got two more months. I mean, she is. She's there. You're amazing. So two more months. You, you know that about her, but there are some things that only I know about her because I'm her husband. There's that intimate knowledge. God wants us to have intimate knowledge of him. He wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. And so often we can, we can just twist it and make it something else. And I know sometimes where you hear that, it's like, hey, God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to be intimate with you. What does that mean? I think whether you've been following Christ for a lot of years or maybe you're, you're still trying to figure things out, it can, it's like, what does that mean? Let's kind of determine like what it's not first, okay? Is number one is this. Intimacy with God is not defined by one church attendance, okay? Now let me clarify this for a moment. The, all these things go into intimacy with God, but they don't define your, your intimacy with God, okay? So one is church attendance, okay? is that if we're not careful, we can get into the, the rhythm, but also the rut is like my substance of God is determined by a corporate gathering. Can I say I love the church? And not just this church, but I love the church, right? I mean, I love what God has done um, in his church during this crazy time, but it is not the substance of my faith. Where, man, God wants to be intimate with you and, and so much in a sense of where Okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. I am not a big DoorDash person, but can I confess something, okay? This, yes, you know what I'm about to say. This last week, I uh, mean, we had dinner, we had dessert, but I couldn't shake it, guys. It was 10 p.m., and I had an itch. It was a Chick-fil-A itch. You know, <laughs> bless this, yeah, I was, I, I was hanging out with some people a couple weeks ago, and they were telling me, Chick-fil-A is so overrated, my Christianity almost left me. I'm like, hey, be intimate with God. Stay close with him. Intimate knowledge. I just, I was like, you're, I, can't, I can't look you in the eyes right now. And so I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm full, but I'm also, I'm, I'm craving some Chick-fil-A. I didn't get the sandwich. Don't judge me. 
but I did get the fries, I did get the large, and I got a lot of sauces. Here's the thing. Yeah, you're welcome. It's closed today, so you're not welcome. But here's the thing is that I didn't, I didn't need that, but gosh, that was just an additional something that, man, it, I just enjoyed. Our walk with God, our intimacy with God, that shouldn't be the add-on door dash to our faith. But there should be a substance to it where it's like, man, when I'm enjoying the Word of God, oh, that is great. When I'm in corporate worship, I love it because there is something beautiful. And honestly, there is something very unique that when you're when you with believers in a room and also online, corporate worship, there's something beautiful. There. So I'm not negating that. I love that. But is that, that's not the substance. When, when, G, when Jesus died on the cross for you, when he died for you, yes, he died for the world. But, but, he, but he died for every single one of us personally. He knows your name. He knows the hairs on your head. That's, that, that's intimacy. We're not trying to be intimate with God so we move his heart. We're being intimate because we want to tap into his heart. So it's like, oh, there's just so much there. So I'm not, I'm not negating this. It's just not the substance. I got to keep going. Lack, intimacy with God is not defined by a lack or even abundance of feelings. Oh, man, I've been trapped by this at times. Or like, I'll, 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 I'll be with Jesus. I'm not feeling anything. Sometimes I feel, and I know this probably isn't biblical, but sometimes I feel like God's like, okay, so what? <laughs> it's like, are you coming into his presence because you are looking for something? It's just so easy to come into our, our time with God with a consumeristic mindset. Now, on the flip side, if you've been walking with Jesus and you haven't felt one thing in 10 years, okay, that's probably a different conversation, right? But, but our, our, our walk with God is not defined by what we feel, but also what we don't feel. Some of my richest seasons have been where I haven't exactly felt something, but I, know, I knew his presence was with me. His word just spoke to me. And there's some times where, man, I feel great, you know. I got some chills, you know. I was crying a little bit. But my walk with God wasn't defined by an emotionalism. It, it, it was, it's defined by, by Christ and what he's, what he's done for me in the cross. And that, that, that's what guides my steps. Intimacy with God is not defined by time spent. Oh, I can struggle with this. Like I am, you know, you, know, you know those A types? There's those A plus types. Man, pray for me. Like I just... Everything is like regimented. I have my schedule right. And it's like, yes, it, sometimes people can say your time with God is more quantity than, uh, it's more quality than quantity. That's not true, okay? Tell your, sp tell your spouse that. Hey, it's about um, quality, not quantity. That's not true. They want to spend time with you, okay? But on the flip side, all right, it's not just time spent, okay? There, there's so much more than that. But also, intimacy with God is not defined by knowledge attained. You will grow in your knowledge. You will grow in your wisdom. But it's so possible for us to grow so smart in God that we're too dumb to trust in him. We can grow so knowledgeable. I'm not, knowledge is good. It's scriptural, you know. It, it, you look at the book of Hosea, my people are perished for a lack of knowledge. But I'm not, but knowledge is the enemy. The enemy is that we stop at knowledge. Well, God, God, God doesn't just want our intellect. He wants our heart. And so what is intimacy? I'm going to put it this way. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 this. When I think of all this, I fall out of my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. 
then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. I love this next part. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. When Paul thinks about the love of God, intimacy with God, it's something that we should be grounded in. It's something that we should be rooted in. And the more that we root ourselves in the presence and in the love of God, we start understanding how long, how wide, how high, how deep. Intimacy with God is knowing, experiencing, and trusting in the character of God over and over and over again. And it grows and grows. And you're so content in him. But there's also this like, man, I need more. I want more of him. Now, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I don't know how, ma how many of you I have to convince to, like, spend time with Jesus, right, and to be intimate with him. But I do know that there could be roadblocks. There could be obstacles to that. I was remembering um, in March, I know the pandemic started before March, but, like, like the lockdowns really started happening in March. And um, right before, like, the lockdown in our area started happening, I think it was like, a couple weeks before, um, we've been wanting to move for a little bit. Lauren found us a great new place. And I'm like, baby, if we're going to go, we got to go now. I mean, things are shutting down. Like, we, 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 we got to do this. And I remember that first couple months um, of just being, like, so much craziness, right? So beautiful, so brutal. Um, it was such a joy to shovel here. And not just our, our, our pastoral staff, but our whole team. I mean, we made church happen by the grace of God. And so it's been such a joy to shovel. And, but I remember there, there was one night, and uh, I was about to go to sleep, and I, I, was, I had my head on the pillow, and I'm like, I think, I think Lauren wants to talk. And so I'm like, hey, do you, yeah, I, I think you want to talk, right? And so I'm like, hey, so what's going on, right? She said, hey, I'm so grateful of what God's doing in our lives. I'm so grateful what God is doing just in, in all these areas of our life. But here's the thing. I feel like, man, we've been, we've just been negating, like, we've been neglecting the home. We got to put more of a focus on that. And we said this phrase that just stuck with me, is that we've got to fight for the things that we want first. We've got to fight for the things that we want first. And I'm like, you're so right. Life is always going to happen around us, right, right, right? The exterior, but the internal things, the first things, we, we got to fight for them. It's not enough to have good intentions, but we got to fight for the things that we want first. And it just got me thinking about our, our intimacy with God. I'm not suggesting that, again, it's the strength of our will, but there is something where when you have it's a holy grit in your, in your, in your spirit, it's like, God, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be in your presence because I know that life is so much better in your presence than anybody else. I'm wondering if any of us, it's not that, that we don't want to have intimacy with God, I wonder if we're not fighting for it. Because I think the reality is, and I'm talking to myself right now, it's not, the question isn't, do I have a first thing? We all, we all have some first things, but is Jesus part of those first things? And again, like, the, the pandemic and all these things, it's just expedited things. So I saw some things in my heart, I'm like, ooh, gosh, Lord, I don't want that there. And so it's like we got to fight for the things that we want first. I love this image where if I had a huge cup right now and if I were to pour a thousand pebbles in there and if I were to try to fit four or five big rocks, they wouldn't go in there. But if I were to first put those big rocks in there, those pebbles would find its place. And so 
I think we got to fight for those first things. Even Jesus, you look in the, in the Gospels, it says that in uh, Luke chapter 1, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Jesus had rhythms to be with his Father and to have intimacy with him as well. And so I, I want to challenge all of us. I want to challenge myself. Let's be intimate with God. Nothing can substitute intimacy, intimacy with God in our lives. Okay, so that's intimacy. Let's move on to hope, okay? So Paul says this, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are as rich and glorious as I love this. There's this picture of like when light floods our hearts revelation, then now we have a confident hope. We have a confident hope in Christ. And when you look at the original language of, uh, of the word hope, it literally means an eager expectation. Where I'm not just like excited at a, at, a, at a service level, but there is an eager expectation for God to move, for God to do something. It, and it, it feels kind of funny to hope right now, doesn't it? Because a lot of times we hope because we know something's going to happen, but it's like, man, what is going to happen next year? What is going to happen in my home? What is going to happen in my job? What's going to happen in my lack of job? What's going to happen in my mind? My mind's been tripping. It's like, what, what's going to happen? But God wants us to have an eager expectation. And this is why I love the word of God so much is that we don't shape God's promises by our own experiences. We use the word of God to shape and define our experiences and our expectation. So if God said it, I can believe it. If God's already done it, I know he's going to do it again. And so it's like, I'm, I think what we're really tired of is a fluffy hope. Things are just going to get better. That's not helping me. <laughs> like, that's not helping me. My hope is not in an action. My hope isn't in an event. My hope is solely in Christ. And I love Paul's filter for this. So go to Romans if you can. I love this. Romans chapter 5. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, no, that's not a typo. Let me read it again. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. Paul's filter for his hope isn't in anything other than his salvation in Christ. So it's like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm good because my hope's in Christ. And, and I, I, sometimes I'll talk to the believer. It's like, yeah, I, I know that it sounds good, but there's no but. What are you talking about? I get it, right? Man, our, our hearts are wrestling and it's tough at times, but my hope is solely in Christ. That's it. And, I, you know, sometimes we can't have hope or see because we have the wrong filter on. And Paul's saying if, if your filter is anything other than salvation in Christ, you're going to be disappointed. You know, on my, driver, on my driver's license, it says that um, I have to wear glasses or else um, I might get pulled over. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth. Like, I, you know, I forgot what it is, but in California, it says that um, if you're a 100-100 vision, you're legally blind. Well, church, I'm an 80-100 in my eyes, okay? 
I'm pretty close to being blind. So I remember even like, gosh, before I got glasses, it was late at night, right? And it's, normally this would take like a, like a five minute drive. It takes me like 30 minutes. I'm like, what is, I can't, what, what is, how did people drive before smartphones, honestly? Like MapQuest, 20 page printing out directions. I mean, that was the worst. That was my life before this. It wasn't the place that was the problem. It was my filter that was the problem. And so I want to encourage you that if you got to change your filter, put it to your salvation in Christ. And, and if you're trying to figure things out, like I'm not a believer, but I'm trying to figure things out, i got to tell you, friend, that if your hope is in anything other than Christ, then you'll be disappointed. But, but, here's, but here's the beautiful thing is that Believing in Christ doesn't spare you from problems, but it allows you to endure it the right way. And so we're not trying to get out of our, our problems. <laughs> well, some, some of us are. Um, and, and we might pray that, but the promise of the gospel is that you can endure anything because Christ endured it all for you. And so we can endure all things because Christ has endured the, the wrath of God for us. So we can enjoy, we can even enjoy our trials because God has done it all for us. You know, as I was thinking about hope and like, you know, what, what does this look like in, in our lives? You know, my wife and I, we've, we've just been on a journey. You know, we have a beautiful daughter named Selah. And after that, we had a beautiful daughter named Ezra. A lot of you guys know the story, but if you don't, you know, uh, Lauren got pregnant three and a half years ago with our daughter. And we, find out, we found out early in our pregnancy that she wasn't going to live outside the womb. So you could imagine, I mean, that is, I mean, devastating as, as parents, devastating to a marriage. And it's like, even as believers and knowing Jesus, how do you, how do you compute that? You just can't. It's like, like you, you have an idea of your life or where it's going to go, but it's just shattered in just one moment. And so we had a beautiful birth of... Um, with Ezra, she passed away, you know, really soon after that. And so there's just this journey of just figuring out. It's like, God, like, like, like what do we do? Like, how, how, do we, how do we grieve this the right way? I mean, there's just so many questions. And I got to tell you, we didn't do everything. We didn't do everything right. There were some times where I was like, oh, this is so hard. Gosh, I'm so angry. Like, why me, God? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to come up and pretend like there was every moment was righteous and holy. That's definitely not true. But there, there, were, there were a lot of moments where, like, God, we don't know why you did this, but we know that there's something you want to do through it. We know that, that even though that, man, things are hard and difficult, there is hope. So we just had conversations the last three and a half years where it's like, gosh, like, do we get pregnant again? Um, do we adopt? And we, and we were thinking about adoption even before um, before Ezra. So it wasn't like this new thing, but it was like, it was scary. It's, it's hard to hope when things don't go in the direction that you thought. And then there were some things in, you know, Lauren's health were like, gosh, should we do this? Is this the right thing? Is this responsible? There was just so many questions. But we just thought the Lord was like, just, you, gotta, you gotta step. You gotta, you gotta do this. And so, you know, what's been fun in this pregnancy is that all of our friends and family from here, uh, everyone was trying to guess, are we gonna have a boy or are we gonna have a girl? Everyone's so, everyone was so confident that we were going to have a boy. It was kind of, it was, it was pretty hilarious. And so we were uh, at the ultrasound and we're like, you know, we were there for probably an hour. And about five minutes in before um, we found out um, what sex we were going to have. And we're like, all right, babe, we're going to have a boy. It's all good, you know, like we're in this. Let's do this, right? And five minutes later, hey, guess what? You guys are having a girl. 
we were just like, what? Are you serious? Like, ah, oh, like, I can't, I can't even compute that anymore. And now it's just such a, I think, just a sweet, like, just tender moment with Jesus where it's like, I think it was even hard to have hope that we could have a daughter again. But, and this wouldn't be a message with Chris if I didn't cry, so just bear with me. It's going to happen again in five minutes. But I, I, I'm, I'm not encouraging with this because a particular promise was fulfilled. Our hope was not in a, in a pregnancy. Our, our, cause I know some of us, we're just in different places right now, right? Our, our hope, and, and that was our desire. God knows our desires. He's not insensitive to that. But our hope wasn't in a particular pregnancy. Our hope has always been in Christ. So whether that was a boy or a girl, whether that was some, a whole different direction, our hope was never anything else than Christ. And so here's the thing, is that if we truly want to exercise hope, nothing expresses hope greater or better or deeper than praise. I'm not, yes, there, there, there's, there, there, there's a praise when your favorite music, you know, your favorite worship song comes on. That's great. But true praise, authentic praise, is praising God, not just for what he's doing, but for what he's done and for who he is. Because God's always working, but we can't always see it. So sometimes our praise will stop because we can't see. But the scene is the problem, the filter is the problem. So we got to put the right filter on. If you have a hard time praising, you got to change the filter. God is not insensitive to what you're going through, but he's with you in the hard places, and that's why we can praise. We praise God for what he's done. We praise God for who he is. And I love this passage in Isaiah. And here's some context. The people of God have been in exile for 70 years. Talk about not having hope. Talk about not having an eager expectation. If you feel like the Bible doesn't speak into our every day, you got to read the Bible. It does. And, and this is what Isaiah says to, to the people of Israel. Sing, O childless woman, you who've never given birth. Break into a loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. I love this part. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home, and spare no expense. If you don't have the right filter on, that could seem so insensitive. Break out in a song in my bar- This isn't just about pregnancy or birth. This is about the barren places of our lives that we've just given hope on. And the reason why Isaiah's coming in, because God's people felt abandoned. Where are you, God? Like, well, what are you doing? God's like, no, 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 I'm here, but I need you to praise I need, you, I need you to break out into a joyful song. And it's not about how good or great your voice sounds, but it's about the sound of your heart that when you trust in the Lord, how beautiful that is. And so we don't just praise God for what he's doing right now because he is doing something, but we can't always see it. But we can praise God for what he's done because he's done everything in Christ. And we can praise God for who he is. We have some barren places in our lives. I have some barren places in my life. And so I want, to have, I want to have an eager expectation. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your singleness. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's just been in your mental health. Oh, we, people have been struggling this year in their minds and their hearts. 
And God wants to give you an eager expectation. He wants to lift up your voice. He wants to, he wants to lift up your heart. And here, here's how you do it. If you're taking notes, jot this down, that our hope is not in a promise being fulfilled, but in the God who made the promise. A lot of times while we get stuck, we leave, we get stagnant because we had an outcome in mind and God didn't meet it. God's like, the faith isn't in the outcome. The faith isn't even in the promise. It's not even in the timing of the promise. Even though God is not a liar, he will fulfill every promise. But a lot of times we have an image in our mind that's like, God's like, no, no, no. It should be in me, not in that thing. And so when we put our faith in, in him, man, like we will be in the right place. So we want to have intimacy with God. We want to have our hope. We have an eager expectation, not in just what he's doing, but in who he is. And, and, and from that place, we praise him. But also, Paul ends it so well where he says this. I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right place of honor, in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So Paul's saying there's, there's intimacy with God. And just because you have intimacy with God, it's not going to shield you from life's problems, but that's okay because you can have an eager expectation. So be intimate with him. Know him at a personal level. Have your faith and your hope in him. Praise him. But don't forget, it doesn't depend on you. Don't forget that it's not about the power of your will. It's about the depth of your surrender. I love this passage that when the Holy Spirit authored this passage through Paul, where he's saying the incredible greatness, it literally means over and beyond and extra. Like the literal meaning of the word says, wherever this line is, God can go there, but then exceedingly more. You can't even contain it. It is infinitely limitless in what God can do through his power. That should just propel us. That should encourage us is that where we are right now, we, we, we hear phrases like the, your best days are, are to come. Your best days aren't behind you. They're ahead of you. I believe that because I trust and believe Jesus. That his, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it lives inside of you. How do I access that? How do I, how do I get into that? How do I walk in that? Intimacy, hope, and believing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it now lives inside of you. And we can walk in that power. I, I want to live a life, and, and I know you do too, that when people look at your walk with God, when they look at your life, it's like, there's just, there's just something different. Like, when that guy walks, when that woman walks around, it's not even about, like, people seeing you. It's like, but there's something on you. There's just something different about you. You know, I think of uh, uh, in Acts when uh, um, Jesus, Jesus was, uh, he, he rose from the grave. He's, he, he ascended to the right hand at the Father. And now the believers, the disciples, man, they're praising God. They're declaring him. What else can they do? And so the religious leaders are just, like, thrashing them, persecuting them, threatening them. They're like, you got to stop. They're like, we can't. <laughs> like, we're eyewitnesses. And I love this statement. It's in uh, Acts, I think, I believe, chapter 4, verse 23, where it says that, wait, weren't these the, the fishermen? 
The uneducated fishermen, I could tell they've been with Jesus. My prayer for myself and for us as we go into 2021, we may not know all the answers. We may not know all the conclusions. We may not know all those things. But as we're intimate, as we hope and as we praise, as we put our, our full security and our hope in Christ, that as we live our lives, it's like they've been with Jesus. Like there is power over their lives because it's not about the strength of your will. It's about the depth of your surrender. Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, that despite what we feel or what we don't feel in this moment, Lord, you're with us. You're speaking to us, God. Some of us, we came in here. Some of us are watching online. We weren't looking for you, but, Lord, you're looking for us. You're pursuing us. You're with us. And so I pray, I want to pray, one, for those in this room and also those online. I've been talking about intimacy and relationship. But maybe you've never started a genuine relationship with Jesus Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you grew up in a religious environment, but you were burned. You got the wrong idea. Maybe you just, just had no idea that there is a God who loves you and sees you and knows you and wants to have a relationship with you. I've got good news, friend, is that Jesus Christ has paid for your sin in full. That where we deserve death, he died for you so that you could have life and life through him. The word says that when you believe and confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus raised himself from the dead, you shall be saved. There is hope in Christ. There is salvation in Christ. There is freedom in Christ. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the very first time, I want to ask you just to raise your hand, and I want to agree with you that Jesus would bring you home today. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, God, that your hand is not too short to save. That, God, that your ears are not deaf. But, God, that I pray that you would bring a renewal of intimacy, of hope, and of power in our lives. That, Jesus, that as we go into 2021, that we would not let our past year shape our experience or even define it, God. But, Lord, that your word, your spirit, God, and, Lord, intimacy with you, God, would propel us into 2021. God, we rebuke the shame and guilt of the enemy. We say, be gone. And I pray, God, that us as believers and us as a church, God, Lord, we would walk in a newfound authority, God, that is just... Um, found in your word, and that, God, that we would walk this year, oh God, with our hope and our trust and our power in you, God. Because, Lord, it's not about the strength of our will, God, even though our will is to choose you, but, God, it is about the depth of our surrender in you. So, God, we love you. We praise you for who you are and what you've done and what you are going to do in this coming year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Can we give God some glory right now, church? Amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.